Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician Dr. Robert Jackson with his wife Carlotta and daughter Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I am your host, Dr. Robert Jackson. My topic for today is how safe is the so-called COVID vaccine? First of all, I have a confession to make. The defining characteristic of honest clinicians is the ability to admit they are wrong when confronted with new data. And I admit that I was wrong in the first six months of 2021. I told my patients from January until June of 2021 that it might be safe to take the vaccine after June of 2021. Now, I've been practicing medicine for almost 40 years. I've seen multiple medications introduced and some vaccines introduced that within the first year were recalled because of safety concerns. So before June of 21, I told my patients this medication was introduced, this so-called vaccine was introduced in June of 2020. It will be a year old in June of 21. If there are not serious adverse events by that time, I think it will be safe for you to take the medication. But until then, I do not recommend it. Well, from June of 21 until August of 21, I was recommending the vaccine to my patients who were high risk. That means over 65 with COPD, coronary artery disease, obesity, diabetes, hypertension. However, from June of 21 until August, I was also observing for serious adverse events. I was monitoring the VAERS data, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, and paying attention to anecdotal data from my own patients. And during that time, I began to realize that that so-called vaccine was not at all safe. And by August, I had changed my tune. And I began to recommend to my patients that they should not take the vaccine, the so-called vaccine. I began to realize that there was an increased risk of myocarditis and pericarditis, an increased risk of MI and stroke following the so-called vaccine. Since the 1st of September, I have not advised the vaccine to any one of my high-risk group patients and no boosters. It was too risky. The so-called benefit did not outweigh the risk. More than that, I don't know which batch of the vaccine my patients will receive, and I'll explain to you in a moment why that's important. So I changed my tune, and I have to admit, I was wrong from June, I'm sorry, from January of 21 until 
June of 21 in my recommendation. It's a defining characteristic of honest clinicians that they have the ability to admit when, that they are wrong when confronted with new data. When I saw the data, I have to admit that I was wrong. I did tell you back in the first of this year that I was recommending the vaccine to high-risk patients, and I was wrong then, and I'm admitting it now. Let me give you some experience that I've had with my patients. I spoke to one of my close friends this week, not a patient, but a close friend. He was 80 years old at the time. He told me that he received two shots of the so-called vaccine. It's actually a generic genetic therapeutic agent. Um, and after the second vaccine, he told the second shot, I'm sorry, he told me that he began to experience weakness in his lower extremities. He began to be dizzy and unsteady in his gait and profoundly fatigued. He told me that before he received the shots, he was energetic, always working on his farm, driving his tractor, driving his own truck everywhere he went. He said, I was an energetic, active 80-year-old man. Within days of receiving the second shot, he said, everything changed in my life. More than that, he said, I began to experience uh, mental clouding, mental fogginess, inability to remember. He said, my family recognized immediately that something had changed and made me go to a neurologist who could not put his finger on anything in my physical body that would explain my symptoms, except for the fact that I had received the vaccine. Secondly, I had a patient of mine who received the, the vaccine, and after her very first shot, she was paralyzed for 48 hours. She laid on the floor in her house, unable to reach the telephone. She urinated on herself. She defecated on herself. And finally, after two days of lying on the floor, unable to assist herself, her children, calling her multiple times, came to her home, broke in the door, and found her paralyzed from the waist down on the floor, unable to help herself. They carried her to the emergency room where multiple brain scans and evaluations were performed. No explanation for her symptoms were found except for the fact that she had received a vaccine the day before these symptoms presented themselves. A 42-year-old young man, a patient of mine, received the vaccine, and within three days, he suffered a fatal heart attack. He had no comorbidities. I have a patient of mine who's an ER nurse. She told me, Dr. Jackson, within days of these so-called vaccines being administered in our community, our hospital was flooded with young, healthy people suffering myocardial infarctions and strokes. Everyone in the emergency room, doctors and nurses, were looking at each other with eyes wide, realizing that something serious was awry. And we recognized immediately that these folks were presenting with heart attacks and strokes 
after receiving the vaccine, but no one was willing to say anything out loud because we knew the hospital system was promoting the vaccine. Well, let's look at the vaccine adverse event reporting system data. I want to share that with you because this is critical for you to know and understand. Since this data has been collected in the last year and a half, there have been 983,756 serious adverse events. We're not talking about sore arms, red arms, or swollen arms. We're talking about serious adverse events. 108,572 hospitalizations within days or weeks of receiving the so-called shots, so-called vaccines. 107,860 urgent care visits within days of receiving the vaccine. 12,317 reported cases of Bell's palsy. 10,429 heart attacks, 20,560 reported cases of myocarditis, 34,615 patients who reported permanently disabled as a consequence of the so-called vaccine, and 20,622 deaths directly attributable to the so-called vaccine. Understand clearly that doctors, physicians understand that the VAERS data is underreported by a factor of four to five, which means that when VAERS reports 20,000 deaths, it's actually five times 20,000. That's 100,000 deaths due to the vaccine. That makes the vaccine the third leading cause of death in the United States in the last 18 months. You need to put that in your pipe and smoke it long and hard for a little while. If you want to see this data yourself, you can go to openvares, V-A-E-R-S, openvares.com slash covid dash data openvares.com slash covid dash data now let's put this into perspective a little more just today there was a report from an indianapolis insurance executive who reported on a zoom conference with his top level salesman that in the third quarter of 2021, there was a 40% increase in non-COVID deaths in the 18 to 65-year-old age group. Let me say that again. In the third quarter of 2021, there was a 40% increase in the non-COVID age group. That's deaths non-COVID deaths in the 18 to 65-year-old age group. To put it in perspective, he told his top-level salesman that when there was a major catastrophe in the United States, 
they expected a 10% increase in deaths in that age group. And more than that, he said that they had never seen anything like this in the 200 years that their insurance company had been keeping statistics. More than that, he said that this increase in deaths was industry-wide and not just in their own insurance company. So what we're seeing in the VAERS data is being also observed by insurance companies across the board in the United States. Now, how bad are these so-called vaccines? Well, let me give you another website to go look at. Howbad.info slash index. Howbad.info slash index. Now, what this is, is an evaluation of the VAERS data by a group of independent statisticians. In fact, four different groups of independent statisticians confirmed this research. It's called the Enigma Group. They are independent of the government, of pharmaceutical industry groups. They have no financial interest whatsoever in the research that they're doing. And they found that 5% of the batches, the lots of the vaccines, are responsible for all of the deaths. And as I listened to the presentation that they were making, they showed a visual of all the vaccine batches, 2,000 batches. And about every 200 batches, one out of 200, was, quote, a bad batch. And each bad batch was responsible for about 2,000 to 5,000 serious adverse events, including deaths. Most of the batches would report about one death per batch, whereas the bad batches would report anywhere from 2,000 to 5,000 serious adverse events, including deaths. Their conclusion was that this could not be coincidental. They also stated that this was why sometimes entire families would experience serious adverse events, even deaths in multiple family members. Sometimes both spouses within days or weeks of receiving the so-called vaccine. They stated that this could not be due to careless manufacturing practices. Otherwise, the distribution would be random and scattered and not restricted to just 5% of the batches. This statistical analysis is alarming. It is amazing. It is astonishing. And all by itself should be sufficient to cause government officials to halt the distribution of these so-called vaccines immediately. And it makes me want to scream and pull out my hair that 
the CDC, the FDA, our government officials, the NIH, all of these three-letter organizations have not immediately halted the distribution of these so-called vaccines. To put it further into perspective, I want you to understand that when the swine flu vaccine was being distributed after 54 deaths, with great humiliation and embarrassment, that vaccine was recalled. Back in the 80s, the smallpox vaccine was no longer distributed because the risk of a serious adverse event was one in one million. Your risk of a serious adverse event from the COVID vaccine is one in 200 batches, and you don't know which batch you might receive your shot from. And I don't know when I would recommend the vaccine to my patients, which batch they might receive their shot from. Now, let's talk about it a little bit further in terms of serious reactions. I'm not sure if you have seen this, but there have been over 300 plus professional and college athletes who have collapsed or either died on the ball field while participating in pregame or actual game activities after receiving the vaccine within days previous. This has not received much media coverage, even though many of these athletes have collapsed and or died on national television in their respective countries. There is a major cover-up going on right now in regards to these athletes having collapsed or died. And it's because someone is wanting to push and promote these vaccines at all costs. A pediatric cardiologist, Dr. Kirk Milhall, MD, stated that elite athletes in the Big Ten Conference after COVID or the COVID vaccine, 50% of them had myocarditis that was detectable by MRI, but most of them had no symptoms whatsoever. Furthermore, he said that this myocarditis puts them at serious risk for sudden death if they continued to participate at high-level athletics and or at risk for future congestive heart failure. And then I'd like to bring to your attention the autopsy results of a German pathologist named Anna Burkhardt. He had over 17 families come to him and request that he perform autopsies on their family members who had died after vaccination. These families were not satisfied with what was put on their family members' death certificates, and they requested a post-mortem evaluation. What he found on each of these deceased family members was an autoimmune attack by killer lymphocytes. In other words, there was autoimmune organ death. 
the heart, liver, and lungs were experiencing an autoimmune attack by killer lymphocyte cells. 90% of their deceased family members had the exact same pathologic findings. He discovered that sentinel lymphocytes in their lymph nodes had completely deteriorated. They had been destroyed. Because of this, these family members, these deceased family members, could not clear viruses, bacteria, tuberculosis, cancer cells, and of course it led to increased shingles, Epstein-Barr virus, herpes infections, Bell's palsy, and if you remember when I was reading to you the VAERS data a moment ago, I told you that um, Bell's palsy cases were 12,300 plus in patients who had received the so-called vaccine. So it's important for us to understand that something is happening at the molecular level in patients who have received the so-called vaccine. And there's something that's happening to the endothelium, that's the lining of the blood vessels, that's disrupting the blood vessels, that's then causing these lymphocytes to attack the lining of the blood vessels, that then attacks the, the lymphocytes, that attacks the lymph nodes, and then causes this autoimmune attack of the heart, liver, lungs, and the lymphatic system. And it makes people susceptible to extraordinary inflammation in these major organs and a deterioration in their ability to fight off infection or cancer. And it makes them susceptible to blood clots, myocardial infarction, strokes, etc. All of this is happening to people who have been who have received the so-called COVID vaccine. People ask me all the time, what is the reason for this? What is the ultimate goal of folks who are promoting the vaccine? Why are they doing this to us? And I'd like to suggest three main reasons. Number one is for the virus to spread for as long as possible while promoting ineffective therapies and suppressing effective early treatment protocols. The ineffective therapy that's being promoted is the genetic therapeutic agent, the so-called vaccine. It's not effective. It's not safe. It's not inexpensive. It's very expensive, and it's being promoted at taxpayers' expense. The effective early treatment protocol that's being suppressed is the utilization of ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, the appropriate vitamin regimen. These things work quite well, and I've used them quite successfully in in hundreds of patients. The second thing that I would suggest to you is to kill as many people as possible to achieve their sustainable population goal. If you've listened to anything by the World Economic Forum that met uh, not even two years ago, 
Their sustainable population goal is 500 million people, if you can believe that, which means that their goal is to to eliminate literally billions of people from the world's population. Now, you may find that extraordinary and bizarre and unbelievable, but that was a stated goal at the World Economic Forum when they met. And I'm convinced that their goal is to eliminate literally billions of people. And I believe that will happen if enough people receive this vaccine. I think that we will see over time that there will be multiplied millions and millions of people who are going to die as a consequence of receiving the vaccine. And then thirdly is to spread as much fear as possible so people will accept top-down authoritarian control and the loss of their freedoms. We have seen that happening in the last year and a half, especially in America. Unprecedented authoritarian controls, lockdowns and mask mandates and vaccine passports and all manner of the loss of freedoms that we would have never thought possible in America has been happening. We've seen Austria and Australia um, cause people to be Uh, locked into their homes if they've not had uh, a vaccination and concentration camp style uh, uh, arrangements for people who've not had the vaccine. And all manner of authoritarian control is being exerted over people who've not received the vaccine. Unbelievable loss of freedom because of the fear that's being created in the heart of people. The Bible tells you and me that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and faith and a sound mind, a discerning mind. The opposite of faith is fear. The opposite of fear is faith or a trust in the Lord God Almighty, who is our sovereign. So what can you and I do? What are we to do? Well, I would encourage you to educate yourself your family members, and your legislators. The best book that I can recommend to you right now is The Real Anthony Fauci by Robert F. Kennedy. It's a good read, it's very informative, and it will help you to understand the real issues. Number two, don't be manipulated into taking the so-called vaccine. Your life is more valuable than any job or any family relationships. Do not be manipulated into getting the shot. And pray hard against the spiritual deception affecting our medical authorities. And I would say to you that the army that advances on its knees will never retreat. Remember in the end, truth will prevail and truth speakers will be vindicated. Always speak the truth in love. There's truth that has to be spoken, but we cannot be angry people. We have to be people whose hearts are filled with love. You've heard me say this before, and I want to say it again. Education is our only strategy, and truth is our only weapon. Speak the truth in love, and remember that those who retreat from the point of hottest conflict on the battlefield will be guilty of cowardice on the entire battlefield. Do not retreat. Do not be afraid. Speak the truth 
confidently and speak the truth in love. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. If you'd like to contribute to further the efforts of the ministry, you can support them at patreon.com forward slash jacksonfamilyministries. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com. 